Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special Thanksgiving edition of Ignite Radio Live. Because we're being thankful. We should always be thankful, but in a special way this week of Thanksgiving. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, live in studio with two live in studio guests, very dear friends, Bill and Lori Noltner. So as we look to this Thanksgiving holiday, which folks, it's every time you hear that word holiday, let's be mindful of its root, holy day. It's the root of holiday. And there's another interesting thing about most of our holidays or holy days, and that is that they were pagan events throughout the church history that the church sought in her wisdom to baptize. What an image. That the physical stuff of the world, the culture that God uh, ordered, really, for us to know him before he came on the scene. Certainly the Jews were privileged with the revelation in a special way. But many throughout the world, uh, we understand, had the signs of creation that should lead us to a sense of his glory. And the Catholic Church gives us this vision that, uh, that we should look for God's grace and his glory in a glass of scotch, right, Bill? Am I right? Or am I right? A good cigar, good conversations, good rock and roll. I say good rock and roll. I mean, all these things, I think there's a danger today maybe that we relegate faith and thanksgiving to just quote-unquote religious-y things. So I particularly love you guys. I'm going to say it because I really see you as whole. W-H-O-L-E, holy. I see you engaged with a heart for Christ, and really you enjoy within God's eyes, the good things. And we've been blessed to know each other, Bill, you and I in particular for five years, and Lori a little bit later. Um, But folks, I want to speak to this before we get into their wonderful story, because I'm just moved to right now. It's a season where many maybe begin to experience some depression. They experience maybe loss of a loved one or challenges. Depression can set in. It's darker. It's cold. Those sorts of things. And uh, many of us may be asking, God, where are you? You know, we may smile for the camera, we may be involved with our faith or religious things, maybe not, but a lot of folks right now we know are struggling with depression, they're struggling with the sense of value and worth, and we're saying, God, where are you? And I just want to encourage you that God is alive in your story. God is alive in the stories around us. Our next breath is the greatest testimony to God's love, and often we miss it. And so we want to open our hearts and our minds to seeing God in our stories, in your story. And we often point out this passage, Revelations twelve eleven, because it speaks of the enemy. It says they defeated the enemy. So just stop there a second. Depression and those sorts of things are lies. They're whispers of the enemy who is active in our lives. And maybe even not us, maybe a coworker, spouse, children. It's a cloud of something, right? And um, that's the enemy's activity. Well, how do we defeat the enemy? Well, it says clearly in Revelations twelve eleven, we defeat the enemy by the blood of the lamb. That's the mass. It's Christ's blood and water poured out, but also through the word of their testimony. So we're going to invite you as you hear Bill and Lori share tonight in our interaction that you also maybe be attuned to how is God alive in your story? And note, our stories are a participation in Christ. It isn't all happy slappy all the time. It's life, death, resurrection. He's alive in those difficult circumstances. So let's just begin tonight in prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, you see each of us and you know us. You know our histories, you know our journey, you know our sins, you know our struggles. You know those times of aloneness, God, where you're crying out to you. And you know those times when we felt great connection with you. You were in it and are in it all, Lord. It says in Scripture that you hold all things in existence. Our very next breath, God, we know is a testimony to your presence. And so tonight for all of us, Lord, 
on this journey towards sainthood, none of us there, we pray you open up our hearts and our minds to seeing your breath of life in this very moment, anointing us, inviting us to know you all the more, to live for you all the more, to seek you all the more, and to be aware of those around us, that we can give that word of testimony, that we can see you alive in our life, death, and resurrection. We ask this in your holy name in this Thanksgiving week through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, Laura, you look so excited to go first. <laughs> thanks, Stephanie. Yes. Um, well, like, thanks, Greg and Stephanie, for having us on the show tonight. I'm a little tentative, but I'd be happy to You're share. So thanks story. for your courage. It's so awesome. <laughs> Give us a little bit of Lori background. All right. Um, so I can go way back. And Greg was talking about being thankful in the week of Thanksgiving. Um, Probably the first thing was be um uh, ugh, sorry the, You're good. um the matter in which I was conceived was not conventional so I guess I'm thankful that I was even born mm-hmm. um, as are we my mom was um, a high school student and um, she probably had the option to not keep keep me but um, the, her and her parents decided to keep me uh. and. Um, she did try to raise me for about a year, but apparently I was not the easiest baby to <laughs> care for. And um, um, my my grandparents at that time had um, guardianship over me so I could have insurance and all that kind of stuff. So eventually after my one-year birthday, I was adopted by my grandparents. So from that point on, I knew my grandparents as my parents. Mm-hmm. And my sister, and my mother as my sister, and my brothers, you know, were my uncles, but now they're my brothers. So right. big age gap, but um, that's how our family worked. Very cool. So very thankful that she decided to keep me and keep me in this family that I am now in. Right. That's that's an amazing story, even Absolutely. that piece of Just it. Absolutely. Just the courage. So was it a home filled with faith, or how did that play out in your Well, um, my years? dad was Catholic, uh, and my mom was Lutheran, and she converted to Catholicism for the family, so they could be they raised Catholic. And I was not able to go to Catholic school. Um, my brothers and sisters did, because at that time, it was free. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, the grade school was free. and um, The good old days. <laughs> by the time I got to um, Catholic school, obviously, there was fees for that, and my right. parents couldn't afford that. So I went to the public school, and my mom always went to church. She was involved with choir. Um, my dad, though, was not present in church um, on Christmas and Easter most of the time. But other than that, I sat in the choir loft with my mom. And didn't an amazing really voice. pay much cute. attention to mass. <laughs> um, I did all. I you know you had a great view. Yeah, I went to CCD <laughs> right. classes. I attended all my you know, I made all my sacraments. Um, but in our house, it wasn't really um, talked about a lot. So mm-hmm. it was just something you did. Like it's a check off list. You make your first communion. You get baptized. Make your first communion. You right. confirmation. Check. You're done. <laughs> right. Right. Go off and be a good Catholic. Um, they were good parents, um, but I was not raised in the type of faith community that I would say that we belong to now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very, my mom was very private about prayer and um, did not stress the importance of, you know, talking about it or sharing mm-hmm. in that. So that brings us here now where I'm sitting here on the radio <laughs> talking about it <laughs> with everyone. Lori, were there any moments apart from religion 
and kind of go through the hoops, as which I hear you describe, and I think many, maybe even most Catholics, that's a lot of their experience. Were there any moments, though, even privately, where maybe something was speaking to you? You know, we know you personally, and that you have real beautiful, you share moments or just around the house now. I know it's much later, but you have that kind of soul of attunement to God. When were you maybe aware of that kind of connection in your life at all? I would have to say that I did not feel that connection until my connection with Bill. Mm -hmm. Um, Through him is where I found the importance of um, living out my faith more than I had been. Um, I just really didn't understand what I was, why I was doing all the things I was doing, why I made the sacraments, what they meant, um, and how I should be, how I should be living it until... You know, maybe not when we first met, but definitely after we were married and I realized the importance of his faith in his life and Mm. how um, important it was for him to attend Mass. And even, you know, at 23, 24 years old, um, I may have not gone to Mass for a certain amount of time during those years. (laughs) But um, when I met Bill, it was really important to him that we always Mm. went to Mass together. And then from there, it kind of grew. So I have to say... As a child growing up, I really didn't feel a lot of um, Mm -hmm. connection. So let's go to you, Bill. uh, Back it up. Of whom she speaks. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Share with us a little bit your backstory. Um, Well, you know, uh, grew up in small town Vermilion, Ohio, um, not too far from where Lori grew up, which is Sandusky, and uh, was uh, one of two children. My sister Terry is one year younger than me. Mom and dad. uh, my dad was a dye maker working in uh, uh, Parma, Ohio, and my mom was a uh, was actually an immigrant from the Philippines, mm. um, and uh, she was one of thirteen kids. My dad was one of four, uh, well, one of five technically, I guess. One of them passed or died at birth, mm. um, and uh, yeah, my uh, my my uh, story in terms of like my my faith development was that my mom and dad were both raised Catholic. Of course, in the Philippines, Catholicism is is pretty deeply mm-hmm. rooted. Um, How old was she when she came to the um, It's nineteen sixty five. I'm going to put her probably around twenty two, twenty three. Okay, so young like adults, that. really. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. go ahead, she sorry. she was um, uh, recruited by the Cleveland Clinic actually to come oh, work yeah. in in their hmm. in their special chemistry department. But um, so my mom and dad, in terms of our faith, uh, you know, for one thing, it was difficult for my mom because she was coming to a whole new culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this everything, not just the language barriers, but the uh, the culture was was enormously different than what she was accustomed to. How, how you know, raising a family, um, you know, the expectations, all that stuff um, was different for her. But the the common thread was was certainly our Catholic faith, and um, I would say. The way my sister and I were raised was um, largely, you know, I would say in some ways a lot of check-off-the-box type stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom and dad made sure, and it was very important to them, that we went to Mass every weekend, and there was really no excuse for not going. Um, so in that regard, um, that is that was a big gift. It was, you know, to what um, Lori was speaking of, um, it's been ingrained in me if nothing else, dutifully going to mass, you know, um, maybe not so much the, the relationship with Christ peace wasn't there, but the, the, the duty to, to, um, to my faith was, was always there. 
um, and the duty to the sacraments too um, was there. My mom and dad, um, my dad in particular um, was, I think, spiritual in the sense that I, I saw him pray, and I know that he prayed for us. Mm. I actually had seen him on his knees you know, many times. That's beautiful. Um, so I knew it was important to him, but we never really talked about you know, what that relationship piece was like mm-hmm. between him and, and Christ. Mm-hmm. My mom um, is uh, a very practical, pragmatic type person, and um, I know her faith is, is true and deep, but we never really had those types of conversations. It was either she wasn't either comfortable with it or it just wasn't how she was wired. And I accept that. Um, and I think, um, and, and I, I can't speak for my sister, her faith journey, but, um, but that's kind of how we, we got started. Um, and then, you know, we went off, you know, went through high school and everything we were exposed. I was exposed to, and, and certainly, um, fell into some, some pretty bit, I wouldn't say like horrible stuff, but stuff that definitely derailed the way that I, um, there was certainly conflicts, let's mm, say. The culture. B- with the culture yeah. and what I had been um, taught to be to be right. And, um, and I, you know, I definitely fell for a lot of that stuff. And, and uh, um, but well, nonetheless, I always had my, you know, I, I always had that faith to go back to. Um, let me ask you a second, Bill. Yeah. You and I have been really good friends for a while. And uh, how... With that faith and that foundation, was the struggle, how did it play out for you and sort of those temptations that a lot of kids face in high school and post-high school, and then kind of like coming to a point of intentionality in faith, how did that, how did that play out? Well, <clears throat> I think part of my problem was I had only a surface level, um, a very superficial understanding of connecting the catechesis I had received with the um, how it all played into the development of my soul, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I just I just didn't whether it was me um, being thick in the head, which is very possible, <laughs> very probable, no. or if it was just um, you know immaturity or or you know a mixed message. Those times, um, as you guys know, we're about the same age. Where the message was pretty muddled, mm-hmm. um, so. Um, and I wasn't as intentional about trying to sort it out. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's probably the source of it. And then um, I guess what was the other part of your question, Greg? Well, how about I take you to this point? So Lori speaks of you being very instrumental in an intentional faith. Tell us really what were the key moments that brought you from sort of a superficial jump through the hoops faith to awakening and to intentionality? Then we'll go back and we'll get your dating story, but but what? And maybe you're, uh, yeah. or are you intrigued by the, the fact she says that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I guess I feel blessed that she said that. Okay. I think maybe when we when we had children and started mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, their, you know, of course, right after you have children, you, your their baptism is something that comes up right away. And mm-hmm. I think once we started having children, I think both of us, but Bill probably more so, was we were more engaged in our church community because we mm. wanted to be a part of something because we had you know seen mm-hmm. families that were involved and wanted to be and we were in the blessed sacrament area here in toledo and we really liked that community my sister had belonged to that community mm-hmm. and everyone was very you know we just saw great things from that and mm-hmm. we wanted to 
be a part of that and figure out how we became how we would become a part of that. So children were a big for me anyways a big so influence me, to get me more. Yeah, let me take us back piece. a little bit yeah. then. Let, let me take you to the point then where tell us the dating story. Tell us how you met because it colors in a lot, I think. <laughs> how did you meet and just tell us about that journey of falling in love and engagement and marriage? Well, I guess I'll start this Rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could all uh, yeah. see the look that they just gave each other. Uh, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> well, we were both at, in the same year of college. Uh, I was at Kent State. She was at Bowling Green. Um, I had basically flunked out of Kent State. I was a very bad student. <laughs> and uh, I was in an in-between stage of my life. Um, I had actually just joined the Army, uh, much to my mom and dad's chagrin. Um, and I just, I needed some work. So I, I knew of this really fun bar in Sandusky called Daly's pub. So I got a job <laughs> bartending in the, inter- in, in the time in between my going from, um, you know, Vermilion off to, to basic training. And, um, uh, yeah, so I was doing everything from bartending to, uh, you know, ch- door checking IDs at the door and throwing out drunks and stuff like that. And, um, one night, I think it was maybe Thanksgiving, actually, right, or somewhere. I around. think it was Christmas. Maybe it was break. Christmas break. And she no, was he right. Didn't, he didn't have to throw me she, out. Yeah. I, was gonna, <laughs> I wasn't going to. I was checking IDs, and she uh, she gave me her ID. And by the way, I, I didn't remember this episode until she reminded me of it later on. I was checking her ID, and I said, "Hey, we have the same birthday." And she took her ID back and said, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard better pick up lines yeah, than that. That's yeah. the best you got. Back under your bridge. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah. And then, uh, Solar, you can tell him the next chapter. Well, then that. I was also, we're like paired. Like, we're not, I wasn't a good student either. So I was in between um, and I needed a job. So I just started going around Sandusky and I went to dailies and um, they gave me a job. Bill was working that day. Um, it was like, I think it was a Sunday afternoon. Did you remember him? From I did not. I didn't see him working behind the bar. I was talking to the manager and they hit me. he was like, <laughs> I'd really like to hire you, but I don't know if I have enough hours to give you. And he's like, let me go back and check the schedule. And so Bill was back there and our, I think his name is Terry, right? Mm-hmm, Terry. Terry. He's like, give her some of my hours, just hire her. <laughs> That's great. So um, I ended up getting hired, and Bill trained me as a bartender. And, Do you remember uh, that? Remember being trained? Was there chemistry right away? I think um, we were friends. I, I we were know. friends. I thought Bill was um, out of my league, I guess I would say. Um, when he was at um, Kent State, he was, you know, he was a cheerleader. He was ROTC. He was in a fraternity. He was... He, a weightlifter. He was athletic. I'm like, he, so it he made it man. easy. It made it easier for me <laughs> to see him just as a friend. Mm. It was so. I was think he dating I went, anybody at the time? He was not, okay. and I went out with a couple <laughs> guys that I told him about when we were working <laughs> behind the bar. Until I started to get the um, the clue that he, I think that I'm like, I think he likes me. <laughs> <laughs> so That's then cute. my mom helped set that up. Yeah, but, it's pretty funny. Tell us. Yeah, so uh, we would get off of work at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and it was kind of customary after all the patrons were gone to, you know, pour a few um, beers and have some have some just time between all of us bartenders. And um, so Lori was with her mom, and, and uh, we were drinking. it wasn't 2 in the morning, though. Oh, you that had, time it wasn't. You had gotten wasn't, off yeah, work. We knew that's you right. got off work at like 9 or 10 o'clock, and so we intentionally that's right, came yeah. and sat at the this bar. Was a, uh, this was a uh, plot. 
And uh, <laughs> so you married in the spirits. Yeah. So she. <laughs> My uh, mom knew something before we did. It. Right. Her mom. Her mom uh, set us up in a way. She. Uh, she said, "Oh, I'm, I want to get out of here." And Lori's was her ride, or she was Lori's ride. And Lori's like, "Oh, I want to stay, but I don't have a ride." And so I said, "Oh, well, uh, you know, don't <laughs> I'll be. Take you. I'll take you home." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hook, line, and sinker. What a good mom! Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. And then we sat in the driveway for an hour, like chit chatting, before he finally decided to ask me out. <laughs> On our first date, we went skiing. Yep. Okay, and she broke her shoulder. I didn't break her shoulder. Dislocated her shoulder. <laughs> Sorry. So how long did you guys date before engagement then? We dated for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. year and a half. Okay. Um, Bill was in basic training during that time. Part of that time, a lot of our correspondence was letters. Um, you realize how much someone means to you when they're mm-hmm. that far away and you can only communicate through letters. There was no cell phones back then, so... Yeah. So, so, Bill, a bit of an important tangent for maybe young men out there who mm-hmm. don't necessarily feel like they're college-bound right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe they feel forced or pressured. Mm-hmm. You share all the time that um, in spite of maybe people who love you pressuring you to go to college, mm-hmm. you had an attunement to, shall we say, I mean, the voice of God, I think, now. Right sure. After the fact. Um, share with us that discernment process and the benefit that you got. What happened to you during those years of being in the military? Well, yeah, so, I, I mean, to your point, I think that I was, you know, my, my education was is really high on my parents' list of things that we needed to be done. You know, it was, again, one of those checklist type things. And um, in particular to my mom, because her whole family is, like, really highly educated. Um, and that's a, that's a survival thing in mm-hmm. the Philippines. You either right. are educated or you're living under a piece of tin. So, um but I, I, I was not uh, a very – I was very, very immature at that age. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was a terrible student. I was very distracted. And um, I think a lot of people are like that, a lot of young men um, in particular, but certainly um, a lot of people are just don't really know what they want to do when they go off to college, and it just ends up being a waste of time and money. But um, – once I, I mean, I got to my second year of college, Lori kind of reflected on all the stuff I was doing, but I wasn't doing a whole lot of studying at the time. <laughs> and uh, I was having a lot of fun, but not a lot of studying. And I just decided, and my mom and dad and I, with particular my dad and I kind of had a, a bit of an argument and I just said, the heck with this. I, I, I'm, I'm, I need to make a change and I need to, I need a, a different uh, uh, scene and, and something to challenge myself differently. And, and I did. And so that's why I went off and, and, um, just on a whim, did, went into the recruiter's office and said, "Hey, I'm interested. <laughs> you know, what do you win. got?" Right, right. <laughs> yeah, um, it was actually, uh, and again, my I think my mom and dad were mad about it just because two one thing I, I wasn't going back to college, and two, I made the decision without their mm-hmm. you know counsel, and I would say that's probably I should have uh, should have sat down at least with my dad, who himself is a veteran, um, and. Um, talk to him about it, you know, about the decision. But uh, I was just, again, very immature, and I just was one of – it's just I was in time for a change. But I would say that, yeah, to your point, Greg, um, I think a lot of people feel like I need to go to college, and but they're just not ready. And it's just you have to know who you are and, mm-hmm. and uh, whether you're mature enough and all those other things, which I was not, so – so coming out, you had a, a renewed focus. You had the discipline of the military. 
uh, and many speak of this, right? In fact, we were talking with our good friends, the Hertzfelds, and Phil is saying, I think it should really be like Israel, where every young man should commit a year. John Paul, of course, is agreeing. And, you know, <laughs> that's a neat idea, though. Truthfully, you serve your country, and obviously mm-hmm. the discipline of the military. Um, so you came out of the military having acquired a, a lot of this maturing and focus and character and such. Um, how did that, how would that orient you on the other end as far as where you were meant to you know, make a living. Well, um, I I had f- discovered I was a trained as a medic in the army, and um, and also trained as a surgical technologist, and so that kind of awakened in me um, a interest in the me- medical field, and uh, and it just so happens that I was able to use that medical training in the civilian world while I was going to college. And so um, I studied biology, uh, didn't graduate, but I studied I, I, most of the way towards a, uh, a degree in biology. Um, and that's, that's really how I got, I got that, that's how it worked out for me. Um, yeah, again, you know, God had a plan. I wasn't, I wasn't, it just hit, that's just how it happened, you know. Um, yeah. So marriage, you've been married 25 years 26. 26. I guess I had 26 years. (laughs) And uh, Bill, you see, you were telling me really, which I think is impressive, that you have been uh, going to adoration, maybe with a few lapses here and there, but on a weekly basis for almost 15 years, began at Most Blessed Sacrament. Yeah. Um, Well, I had a streak of 15 years. It's it's now been uninterrupted by about at least a two year, probably two years. Um, I mean, I'll go. with much less regularity now, and and I, that's something I want to get back to. But yeah, um, Blessed Sacrament um, Parish has a, a long history. I, I think they've got to be going maybe thirty years of wow. perpetual adoration. Mm. It's, it's quite quite remarkable. Um, and I believe it was Colleen Morrissey over at Blessed Sacrament who um, who approached me and asked me if I'd be interested in taking an hour. Of course, they always need people to take an hour and. Um, Especially I, the difficult hours. Yeah, Middle well, morning, I, late at night. Yeah, I, I'm always impressed by people, and some people would take two, three, four hours. Colleen would mm. take, you know, an amazing amount of hours. But anyways, um, why it's it's important that uh, adoration was important to me um, was that um, I met, you know, some of the uh, what kind of pointing to what Lori was talking about. Um, where did we make that? that change over where we became more intentional about our faith it was really that we saw it in so many of our closest friends and I'm and all the people who I am closest to now and all of our really uh, even our peripheral friends now are uh, stem from relationships that I had built um, with people who had an hour on either side of me you know I had That's the so like cool. say 10 o'clock hour the person on the nine o'clock hour became one of my best friends the person on the the 11 o'clock hour became you know my one of my best friends and introduced us to a whole community of people who were filled with faith and in their Catholic and were very uh, intentional about their Catholic faith. And I mean, we realized that that was real. um, That was what really moved us to, we knew we needed to up our game. And uh, we saw their families were just so really just impressed and just really loved their families and the way that they lived their lives. So, honestly and intentionally Catholic, flawed, just like us, though, real people, um, uh, going through many of the similar things, but just so faithful. And, um, yeah, that, that's why uh, the adoration was so important in terms of what its fruit was for me mm. and, and for Lori, really. Um, 
Yeah, I, I recommend it highly. <laughs> Can't so recommend adoration for nothing, enough. For nothing else, a new group of friends. Absolutely. <laughs> so no, God has I, a plan. Well, what I love about that story, and I'm going to ask you in a second to share with any listeners who may be tuning in, either they're Catholic or not Catholic, they're like, what is adoration? What mm-hmm. what What is that thing and that shiny thing in front of me? Why do I even do it? What's the point? So hold that thought, but just to kind of prepare you to ask that question mm-hmm. and get your thoughts on it. But the beauty of what you're saying, Bill, is um, to me— We call Jesus in his real presence Holy Communion, and you experienced Holy Community. Mm -hmm. You know, that that it wasn't simply isolated or static or or solitary, but it was what, let's face it, every Eucharist from the beginning that Jesus instituted the Eucharist, you know, is meant to be an occasion to unite us with intimacy in Christ, which unites us with one another. And beyond even our understanding or inability to articulate it accomplishes that. I'm, I'm already getting to like my thoughts, but t- tell me your thoughts when, you know, when somebody invited you to do this, was it odd? Was it a little peculiar? And, you know, how did you come or what did you come to understand about what adoration was about? Well, I would say that my, um, my first Adoration wasn't necessarily in, you know, in the exposed Blessed Sacrament. The first one that sticks out to my mind was actually um, a time in my youth uh, when I was in high school. Um, I, I think my, uh, I don't know, something happened at home. My mom and dad and I or something got into an argument or something, which was pretty, <laughs> pretty common. I was, I wasn't the, the easiest child. And, um, I, I took off for a run. It was in the middle of the winter, and uh, for some reason, I just felt like I was drawn to go to church. And so I went to our church, and um, I, I ran. I, I was I was a wrestler at the time, so I was really used to running and mm. <laughs> did a lot of that. And my I just steered my way there. And I sat and uh, kneeled before the uh, the um, uh, tabernacle and just uh, was just praying and just you know, it was one of the more um, fruitful and intimate uh, mm-hmm. prayer moments of probably the most intimate prayer moment ever in my young, you know, teenage years. Uh, and it definitely has always stuck with me. And so I had an idea of what it might be like to have that again um, in in the real presence, you know, in, in the uh, in the exposed blessed sacrament. So it was an opportunity for me at that time, hopefully to 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 have that uh, more more often. Mm. But um, and, and as you know, I mean, every every visit with him is, is a little bit different. You know, sometimes it's it's extremely powerful and sometimes it's arid. Sometimes, you know, it, it depends on a lot of times what I came to the Blessed Sacrament, you know, my state of mind spiritually, you know, um, uh, you know, the state of my soul, <laughs> all those things that played played a uh, play a role. And um, yeah. So, so Lori, was that. Did it just kind of flow naturally into new friendships for you and the kids also? Or were you like, who are these people? Or It did. Um, I, I um, like Colleen and Lori, all the wives of the men that Bill met, um, for the most part, we became pretty instant friends. Mm-hmm. It was a good connection. They're, as you would expect, very welcoming and loving people. Um, sometimes... Um, for me, I get a little uncomfortable with um, a lot of the spiritual stuff or when those topics come up in conversation, mm-hmm. when I think we're just supposed to be having a good time. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's getting really serious. And um, so I've gotten better with that, but it definitely has been – it's been a good journey. I say for me it's been a more difficult journey as I wasn't as um, 
intentional or exposed when I was younger, and it's taken me this many years to get to the very limited place that I already am. So. Not limited at all. Knowing you, just I always admire your openness and your willingness, even if you're not quite... Um, like being on this radio show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For example, maybe, perhaps... <laughs> So moments in your lives, Bill, I love your story about being drawn as a teenager, because if I were to ask the average teenager if they got in a fight, where are you going to run to? Oh, I'm going to go to church. I don't think so. You mm-hmm. know, but, but you kind of use the word draw. You were drawn there. Like mm-hmm. Something impelled you uh, that probably contrasted again with what an ordinary high school kid would do in a space of being angry with his parents. Mm. Um, and then that memory of that encounter that made it intentional. So folks, I hope you're listening um, just to the uh, authenticity maybe of that, that how often when we have moments that God, it's typically moments of volatility, I think, my life, um, where God maybe speaks louder and he draws us to himself and to take that time. Um, now, I know there are other moments also, you guys were very involved in Chirp or Casio or involved in the beginning, or no? Yeah, over at, yeah, we were involved with Chirp over at Blessed Sacrament. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, we, tell us about that experience and the difference it made. Um, I was actually the first one to go to Chirp and bring it. Um, we went over to St. Pius um, and to bring it back to Blessed Sacrament. So I was on. I didn't know I was going to be on a team. I didn't even understand what <laughs> it was. Poor Lori. <laughs> My friend Lori um, made me go with her. Shout out to Lori. Go, Lori. Um, so um, I went, and during the whole weekend, I'm like just kind of like deer in a headlights going, what is happening here? <laughs> like, I don't understand what's happening. So um, we went through the whole weekend, and then I was told we were bringing it back to Blessed Sacrament. Um, so some of the ladies from St. Pius came over and all of a sudden I'm on this team and I'm like, still not really sure what I'm doing. And, um, it became a weekly, um, weekly gathering, a meeting, so to speak, to plan the next retreat. And, um, it was very, um, women shared a lot of very intimate details about their lives and how the only way they could have gotten through these things is through their relationship with Jesus and, um, their prayer life, and um, it was very, like, I know Chirp is very emotional. Some people are more, but for me, it was something that helped draw me in, the emotional part, because mm-hmm. I'm an emotional thinker, so it helped mm-hmm. draw me in to be a little more interested in the mm-hmm. actual goings-on that were happening. So that's how it started for me, and then Bill, I think, joined the next men's Maybe. So yeah. before we go there, so Laura, you're sharing something that I so appreciate your candor, and that's like that that encounter of uh, from resistance, from right. vulnerability, from you know areas in our lives that we want to keep secret, and maybe not even things that happen in our lives, but just that realm of transparency. I, I you know certainly blessed. Um, for you in our home and us in your home and the friends around you, and I see such a fluidity. I see such an authenticity and connection. Um, how? Has that changed um, your own relationship with Christ from those moments of doing it to present day? From the moments of doing like Crisio, Chirp. Um, I would, I guess, knowing that everyone's on a different spiritual journey, like everyone's in a different place. And just because you're in a different place doesn't mean that you can't share in your faith together. Uh, I feel like even with Bill, sometimes I always felt like it was almost like a competition, like, he was way far ahead of me, and I didn't understand what he was talking about, and I would just get frustrated, yeah. and I'm just like, I'm not there yet, and he was like, it's okay, but it just made me feel frustrated mm-hmm. because I wasn't in the same place, and I didn't want to be doing the same things as he was doing or 
you know, with the, um, we had difficulties with like family prayer and different things like that because probably because I was uncomfortable and we were just in different places. So it became easier once I realized that it's okay for us to be in different places as long as we're going to the same place. Mm, well put. That's really awesome. And again, folks, I have to punctuate it because how many of our homes are like that? And it's not a better or worse or further ahead or further behind. It's just different personalities, different wiring, different ways of connecting with God, quite frankly, and the encouragement that you give us, Laurie and Bill, of, in a sense, do it anyways and don't feel the pressure of of evaluating it in terms of better, worse, or further ahead, but just do it. So, Bill, your experience. Um, well, I was uh, one of my uh, adoration buddies, Matt Yeager, a good friend of mine, um, then and still now. Um, he was uh, one of the guys that got chirp started over at uh, Blessed Sacrament and um, brought it from, again, St. Pius, and I think I was on the, I guess it was on the maybe the second second team or something mm. like that, or the second uh, group of uh, retreatants. Um, prior to going to that retreat, I had been with um, one of my other friends, Bob Weisenberger, to a couple of uh, Ignatian retreats, and those I was particularly drawn to. I liked the silence. I liked the, the intellectual um, reflection that went on at those retreats. And I wasn't sure what um, CHIRP was going to be like. I, I, w- I just wasn't sure if that was going to be for me. Um and so I would say I went into it with a little bit of um, skepticism, um, but uh, the, what the Holy Spirit gave to me was, uh, look, you know, you just let this, you're here for a reason, let this be what it is um, for you and listen. And, and what I got out of it the most was that um, we're all broken, you know, we all have um, these things in our lives, even people I looked at and I'm like, oh, this guy's got it all together, you know, and then you'd hear uh, something about them and you're like whoa i was not expecting that you know and they're so honest and so open and so uh, humble um to be able to expose certain things about themselves and then that really um sort of opened the door for me that that is a, a very emancipating thing to do to open you know yourself up and uh and, and talk about the the areas of, of brokenness in your life where you where you failed, you know, and how, and and then the the recovery, you know, how how they how the, their relationship with God, or um, maybe even if it was uh, unexpected, um, how God came into their lives and and saved them. So those were those were the things that I got the most out of out of chirp and and certainly the community, um, um, our parish priest at the time. That chirp came was uh, Father Marty Donnelly, and he was uh, a big proponent of bringing chirp to the to the parish. And so, um, with the intentional with the intention, I think of trying to build that community, um, and it and it it did perform that function very well. So, um, yeah, um, that was that was my experience with it. So four beautiful kids, uh, teenagers and twenty somethings. And uh, you have a lot of experience um, as Catholics and the challenges of them being in public schools and facing mm-hmm. the culture and wanting them to know of Christ while you're still, as we all are, on a journey at the same time. Um, share with us candidly maybe some of those challenges and maybe encouragement you would give to other parents 
who maybe have younger kids and they're asking these questions, how do I foster a culture of faith from lessons learned mm. in your own life? So that era, but it may be even also as they're older now, and we've been blessed as brotherhood and sisters to talk about maybe kids that are struggling, and we know the compass is there, but there may be struggles in life. Encouragement to those folks who have older kids and uh, maybe desiring that they connect. You've had great wisdom in those areas. Well, yeah. um, Well, I I find it um, just um, so, I guess it's, it's, it's interesting how, Four children can come from the same household, raised with the same, <laughs> under the same roof, and and have uh, all come out of it with a different perspective. And 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 um, in our family, it, we we tried to build the foundation, you know, and we tried to be good examples, very imperfectly, but we we tried to be ex- good examples and 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 do all the uh, be more than just a, a, a checklist type. Uh, we wanted to be more than that. I think we tried to do that. Um, but, um, you know, one of our, one of our, one of our, uh, one of our daughters, uh, uh, who, you know, really well, Sarah, she, uh, she, uh, I'll use her as an example, somebody who went to a public school who was really involved with all the, um, you know, the secular stuff, let's say, um, very popular, all that. And, uh, um, did had faith, but didn't have an outlet for it, mm. you know? And, uh, so she was, she's one example. And then, um, and then another uh, another son who um, very extremely intellectual, very very smart, loves philosophy, loves all that stuff. Um, had the same foundation, came to a different conclusion as he got older about what was true. Um, and uh, and uh, you know another son who's uh, who's uh, very tight to the vest with what he what he believes, maybe not comfortable talking about it, you know, uh, and another daughter, very similar, <laughs> you know, uh, what, and so I think the, the biggest thing that I've learned is, well, it's like that saying, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Mm. It's who the kids are hanging out with that makes such a big difference. Mm. Who, who their friends are is going to be probably the most, most formative thing it's true as an adult, as I shared earlier, that my friends help form me and Lori, and um, and my kids' friends have helped form them for better or for worse, you know, and all of them. Not I'm not saying one is better than the other, not at all. Um, using uh, you know, one 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 child one goes off to college has all the faith, and a professor challenges something, says some things that you wouldn't expect, you know, and has put so many questions in his mind and then he, you know, lost it, you know? Um, but he's honest, he's intellectually honest and we have very good conversations. Um, another daughter who didn't, you know, didn't, uh, have that outlet, found that outlet. She found friends, people who she respected and, um, were very open and talked openly about their faith. It opened up a, it, it allowed her, her faith to blossom in, in a way that we, we didn't ex- expect, you know, or did she? So, yeah, I, I, advice. I don't. I don't know if I have any advice, but I would say watch their friends because it's really going to mm, point to mm. where they're going to go. If you have young kids, you can't necessarily choose um, their friends for them, but but uh, but be aware. I think you know? keep the keep the lines of communication yeah. open with your kids. Don't 
shut them out um, when they express beliefs different than yours or um, mm-hmm. something like that. I would say try your best to keep the lines of communication open because you're, you'll be there to answer the important questions when they ask them. Right, for sure. So we know Sarah perhaps the best, Damon also, Sarah, very involved with the Lit Group early on least for i think the 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 second year of the two years Mm -hmm. and uh she's a second year missionary at damascus so she's given her life uh and her focus and her heart to serving christ and seeking him and um that's been a tremendous blessing i know in our home to experience her and of course damon being involved also um how you know, because we, we inherited a different culture, right? I mean, mm-hmm. our parents, very different from us. Your parents, very different from you. you. And I think a lot of parents right now, just throwing this out there for your own input, I think many of us didn't know or learn how to make the conversations of relationship and faith natural mm-hmm. in our homes. Mm-hmm. Like it was relegated to a test. It was relegated to knowing answers. It was relegated to moments, right. to Crisio, Chirp, Axe, Ignite These Moments. And I think the challenge for many of us is, you know, how do we open that door? So mm-hmm. I look at Sarah, for instance, back to her, Joseph, our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they really want to find a place where, as you said, you know, we share our vulnerabilities appropriately as parents, obviously, mm-hmm. and to talk about these things um, and how they can really strengthen us. And they hear us apologize and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that maybe Damascus, CYSC, those things uh, impacted the dynamic of your own marriage and family in the last couple of years? Um, well, I guess, you know, I, and not I, to put a plug in for mass impact, let's say I'll start there, which I was impressed for that. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but, I'll but, take it, but, but I'll be, it. but I'll be honest, you know, I mean, it has certainly made a big difference for our family. Um, the, I think one of the big challenges for all families, well, I shouldn't say all families, a lot of families, the larger percentage of families, let's say, um, in in particular, even just starting with couples is knowing how to pray together um, intentionally. It's the most intimate thing that two people can do, um, with, with certainly husband and wife. Um, but even think about a time when you prayed with a friend about something that was going on. Have you ever felt any closer to them mm-hmm. at that than that moment um, when you've opened and exposed yourself and and um, shown a side of yourself that that person maybe didn't know? Uh, even more so, the dynamic of trying to pray together as a family, just the logistics of it for one thing with our busy lives. But what we've learned and what we've observed with many of the families that are, that we've met through. Uh, mass impact, and again, going back to the families that we met, you know, that I became friends with um, over the years, is that they were very intentional about praying together as a family. It was, I mean, whether it was praying together as a family in a group or the way they would bless their kids before they went to sleep at night and things like mm-hmm. that. It was just so beautiful, you know. Um, but what I we found in particular with mass impact is it gave us um, a um, a model to something to model uh, a way to approach prayer um, together as a fam- as a couple or as a family that's approachable and opens up lots of interesting and um, potentially deep conversations that would not otherwise have occurred it just makes it just makes 
family prayer and couples prayer more accessible. Mm. Um, so that's been a blessing, uh, certainly a, a big blessing for us and has motivated us now to want to share that with others and other, and talking to other um, families in particular, husband, you know, friends of mine that I've met over the years and particularly recently, I know this is something that um, we all struggle with and our people are looking for a way to be able to do this, mm. uh, to be able to pray together with their families. They see the, how important it is. So two key moments that have been a profound blessing in my life, and I will say took my my faith in a community way to an entirely new level. Bill, you were at both of them. Mm. Lori, you were at one of them. One was our retreat up north, mm. and I call it the third session. We had four sessions at this retreat for our team for Mass Impact. And the third one, we kind of ripped up the script because just there was enough great conversation. And I would say that the the the... The movement of the Holy Spirit was, let's find a place where we can really be thoroughly candid, throw stuff on the table, talk about what's going on in our lives, talk about our awkwardness or difficulties, get off script, mm-hmm. and realize that God is in that space. That is real presence, where we're able to talk about where we're at, talk about our struggles. There's some funny conversations, you know, <laughs> if you recall, mm-hmm. and, uh, in interaction, but profound honesty that was a profound blessing. And, and it was in that moment where we kind of ripped up the script for that third session where all of us, where there may be, what, 16 of us, 14 of us, husbands and wives, and, and I think the breakthrough for me was that sense of this is it like it's not you know um a formula it's not a you know something external that we present and maybe put a lot of energy in it's the tear up the scripts here i am and can we find a place where we can talk about if you will our spiritual hunger in a way that we can feed one another and be really honest Mm. be really honest Mm. i mean about and then the second time um, was where the brothers you bill and the two other men we said we're gonna we're gonna spend a night we know each other well. We've been doing this for a number of years now. We're going to get together. We're going to pray over each other. Mm. And so, in turn, prayed over the brother, and everybody spoke life and encouragement and challenge into that brother's life. And there was, you know, I don't think any of these four guys would say they felt the least bit intimidated mm. or, or fearful or, oh my gosh, they're speaking things that are a challenge to me. Mm. Like, to me, that was amazing because you guys knew me. We knew each of the guys. We spoke life into it, and then we prayed for strength and encouragement for one another. I mean, I walked away from that encounter with brothers saying, you know, this is a new altitude that I was blessed in, and my prayer, even as you folks are listening right now, certainly with our wives, it's a challenge. Like, maybe it's easier with brothers, quite Mm -hmm. frankly, than with spouses. But what if? What if tonight, all of you who are listening, we had a place where we could be thoroughly honest about the things that we struggle with, without blame, without condemnation, but to acknowledge our own weaknesses and our shortcomings for the purpose of speaking life into one another, for the purpose of praying for one another? I mean, I have a sense that that's God's design for marriage, and it's his design for family. Um, and so, I mean, I leave, you know, it was an image that's impressed in me, and I think as we continue to journey together, that that is... Shall, you, shall we say, the physical um, expression of the Eucharist. Mm. That is a human uh, expression, reality of what happens when we receive Jesus, when we adore Jesus. That is the authentic living out of what we profess when we say, amen, God wants us to be in a place. And so, you know, what am I learning or what are we learning, I think, in this community, and you guys are intimately a part of this, is, you know, maybe the ways that maybe we, even if we're not judgmental, we may come across as judgmental. And maybe we need to examine ways that we are, where there's insecurities and we're, you know, maybe there's ways of um, also of, of the way the enemy works is we're holding ourselves to blame in the past. 
holding ourselves to sins and things in the background that we've confessed that we're through. And, you know, maybe we're beating ourselves up as we, you know, people share, express conversion or moments. So I just had to proclaim that because, folks, as you hear, this is the grace that God desires for a holy community, that we're, we're not there. There is a place. There's a sainthood, a place of there. We're not there. And the distance in between is precisely why the church exists, mm. to give us the truth and to give us the grace to journey together. Amen. Yeah, I, 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 th- that was those were very special moments. Um, Bill, think, you go ahead. Okay, no, go ahead. Please. I was just going to say you guys have been at Little Flower Parish for mm-hmm. the last few years. Uh, I think three or four years. Three. Well, since Damon started his confirmation, so seventh grade, yeah. five years. Maybe. Five years. Wow, time five flies. Years. Yeah, and yeah. just the blessing of that community oh, yeah. also, and awesome. Father Dave Nuss. I mean, that is a special place with yeah. a special pastor, mm-hmm. and it is. Mm-hmm. so much going on there. And yeah. um, one of the things that they have embraced and grown is the Acts program. Do you mm-hmm. want to speak a little bit about that and how that's influenced you guys? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I just came off of one, so I'm still uh, up on uh, up on the uh, top of the mountain here. Uh, that that was a very powerful. So X uh, is uh, Adoration Community Theology and Service is the what it's an acronym. Uh, it was a uh, a program that was uh, uh, started in Texas. I can't remember the name. It's near San Antonio. Um, and there are, um, I believe, several pilot uh, acts communities throughout the country. And um, Father Dave, I'm not sure exactly how he discovered it, but um, he wanted, I, I believe he wanted something that would sort of light the fire and, and, and sort of help build, really intentionally building the community within the parish. And uh, he was uh, obviously drawn, uh, must have been exposed to it, impressed by acts. And so they went down to St. Louis and there was a, a group of um of men that, uh, and I think I'm not sure about the women, but I, I'm pretty sure I know the men went down there, and they uh, experienced it, and then said, "Yeah, we got to do this. We got to bring this up here." And so, um, with a lot of great effort by some really great, uh, great men, um, brought it up to uh, to Little Flower. And um, I'm not. I think it started. I want to say 2013. I, mm-hmm. I could be wrong on the on when it actually um, started, but um, I went on my retreat in 2016, and then. Um, was uh, blessed to be a part of the team this this past uh, um, this past team, and it was it's it's a uh, it's it's a retreat for three days. That's uh, um, it's very unique. It's not like you know when I first started, I thought it was going to be like chirp, um, which I had done many of, and and really didn't want to do that one again. Um, but Axe was 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 very different. Um, in and I don't know how what the sense would be, but there's the theology piece. I think is just a little bit deeper than than what chirp was. Uh, it's less emotion, more um, theology, and uh, just drives a little bit deeper than 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 chirp did. Both serve their purpose, though. I don't let me. I don't want to diminish one over, from in contrast to the other. But um, I uh, again, it's just um, I think for me the the concept of being all in in my faith and and men just in general being all in in our faith being um to the question earlier about you know the challenges of raising our our children being the being men being the heads of our domestic church men stepping up you know and being and and taking taking the bull by the horns um spiritually i mean and um not being afraid and uh and the other piece is um just 
you know, we, 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 and this, uh, I have to credit, uh, 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 paraphrasing something that I heard, uh, that, um, we, we, we tend to, um, plug our faith in mo- like a modular piece around our life mm. instead of, um, rap, uh, guiding our life by our faith, you know, and, and, you know, we have it backwards a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Acts really tries to drive that point home is like your faith is the, is your foundation. Mm-hmm. You build your life around your faith. So, yeah. Many awesome themes tonight. You're tuning into Ignite Radio Live. Very blessed to have Bill and Lori Knowlton around this Thanksgiving week. And I'm just so grateful you guys said yes, just that act of faith. I know there was a little bit of reluctance. And, you know, truly, guys, guys, um, tell me, those of you who aren't listening, I know some of you... uh, are profoundly moved as we are talking about the journey that coming from the background Lori came from and the generosity of her mom and her grandma who became mom to love her and uh, God's anointing through those circumstances leading her of all places to find her husband in a bar. <laughs> and uh and and you yeah. know the spirits with the holy spirit and um and i'll even say you know so the younger children and uh, are privileged to knowing them in the last five years that we've known you certainly sarah in a particular way but the rest of them and you know this you hear this i'm sure bill and laurie that your children as you describe them you know it you've given them a compass mm. you've given them a compass and i've been blessed to meet all of them the wedding you know there's a glow there's there's an intentionality god's got them and, uh, and your guys' witness, I know, is going to be a, continue to be a tremendous bedrock as they face the rest of the world and come back to what they experienced from you in the heart of your home. So, folks, we're going to conclude in prayer here tonight. Join me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we come before you as we are, mindful of our imperfection and our needs, and let's just say it, God, sometimes a mess. But Lord, you allow the mess so that we call upon you as our Messiah. We invite you to re-inhabit us, to dwell in us, to flood us, to heal us, renew us, transform us for your glory through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.